Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Hash Rugby Chat. Are you fit and proper? Yes, that is what we're going to be talking about today. Hi, I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving More. Um, your best pleasure predictions and opinion and you know what we have taken the step and we have taken hash rugby chat and moved it over to new zealand sports radio yes this is the first week it might be episode 137 but it's the first episode on new zealand sport radio which is fantastic and joining me this evening is arthurin how are you doing sir oh i'm not too bad he's surprised he's there and Stephen, how are you doing uh, very good thank you paul approaching the pleasure to be on the show again Oh, thank you, guys. And yes, um, and as the as uh, as Stephen says, Paul, yes, well, congratulations. You've, you're very prepared tonight. It's like <laughs> no, we were asleep five minutes ago. Uh, it's been a long day. I've done three interviews. I've got another interview after this show as well, and I've put out two shows. Uh, so yes, it has been absolutely crazy running, uh, getting this um, New Zealand Sport Radio up and running. But it's been all great fun. So guys, Ashwin, yes, you were. Managed to get through the whole of this morning's um, uh, the, the the morning sports briefing. Not realised I even talked about this this letter. That yeah. We about today. <laughs> yeah, I was I was conversing with people in our chat room while uh, while you were reading the rugby news. So absolutely, I was uh, I I was like, oh look, this is rather big um, and and something a bit different from just COVID, COVID, COVID. So yeah, no, the letter from Daniel Leo and. Um, Let's see. I just get make sure I get the uh, the, the the organization that he represents, um, the Pacific Rugby Players Welfare uh, Management Team, I suppose so you'd call it. And um, association, I, I think, is what. Yeah. Is what you call it. Um, but um, yeah, they sort of basically got about seven hundred players under their sort of um, umbrella. I wouldn't say their management of seven hundred players, but um, they're sort of like a union, aren't they? Yes, but they're not the union because the, the no. union is called the Pacific Rugby Players, um, <laughs> not Pacific Rugby Players Welfare. Now, and I interviewed um, oh, Junior Fasilofa from the uh, Pacific Rugby Players. Uh, so uh, the other day, so if you want to have a look at that, um, check out the uh, the Facebook page or the or the podcast and have a look at that the long chat with um, Junior Fasilofa. Um, but yeah, so uh, shall I shall I start reading it? You think the, the letter, or or, or or one of you guys want to be uh, the narrator? I think Steve Steve's our awesome narrator. If he's got the letter in front of it, in front <laughs> yeah. of well, I, well, I have in a moment. Um, just <clears throat> just basically trying to decipher a, a lot of it uh, myself as I uh, pretty much blow it up. And he obviously spent a little bit of bit of time on the letter and obviously a lot of his concerns is in, a, in and around a certain Mr. Francis King, who's the uh, Fijian representative and uh, I'm pretty sure we'll spend a little bit more time on it. But listen, I'll get through the first part of it. Obviously, he's, he's writing to the, the World Rugby Council now, um, just getting into the crux of it. Pacific Rugby Players Welfare is an independent non-for-profit organization that supports professional and semi-professional players of Pacific heritage in the UK and Europe. We have around 700 members, about a third 
whom come from Fiji. Silence towards uh, figures or authority is a big part of the culture in the developing world, including the Pacific, that said it's not easy to write that letter. And I've got to say, that's really a, a common theme with uh, even the Pacific community in uh, in New Zealand. Sometimes they're, they're more likely to basically uh, stand back and, and pretty much uh, get on it. But for what it's worth, just in the letter, officials in Dublin make out that they are in an apparent state of shock and information about Francis uh, Bulewa Keen, Aka Ratu Bulewa Francis Frederick Keen, that has been in plain sight all along. Following revelations in the Sunday Times, an urgent investigation has promised into his candidacy, and PW is independent, takes no funding from World Rugby, and has no partnership agreements with any member union. It falls to us to speak truth to those in power about Francis King. If the values of world rugby really are integrity, respect, solidarity, passion, and discipline, all of this, and the claim to have been building character since 1823 will be utterly debased if Ken is elected to the ex-co. It is simple as that. Um, let's, just take, and let's, let's, just, um, let's just come in there and have a, have a quick chat about that because let's yeah integrity respect solidarity passion and discipline now we've already kind of had a chat about the uh, well, i kind of mentioned it on the, the morning sports briefing a couple of days ago about this um about the the kind of integrity uh respect uh, and solidarity now before this before this letter even came out we already knew that Keane had been uh involved in manslaughter and had gone and had then gone off and um, uh, and had three months in jail for that. Now, I mean, three months for manslaughter, geez. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll hear even more about it uh, in here. We will actually go into some details of what happened about it, which is which is, which is amazing. But the um, you've got to say the, the way that there's been uh, that that um, uh, that Beaumont has got had had the Fiji and one already raised raised eyebrows. The way that um, Pichot went about and said, uh, and Argentina decided they would drop their 2027 bid for the Rugby World Cup, uh, and in return, Australia suddenly are seconding Pichot's uh, chairmanship. Um, the, yeah, this this whole integrity around this whole process um, has been, let's be honest, a little bit uh, uh, questionable. Uh, and unless was when 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 John comes on, he always complains about the fact that the the reason that France or or, or got the um, the twenty twenty three Rugby World Cup is that he reckons that uh, the European nations will all be getting uh, games for that, which, which they're not. But you can see there's for a number of years there's been question marks around the kind of the integrity of how these the the voting. Um, comes about in this one doesn't it i think so i mean like that, that's the key to the <laughs> yeah who are we throwing to <laughs> they've, they've, all, they've all fallen asleep it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> it, but it comes to the key of it isn't it it's like operating an organization with integrity um and it starts to be questioned when you've got as you've alluded to not just around what's happening in this environment and this situation, which we're talking about tonight predominantly, but um, other actions that have gone on in the past. And it's just like you're not very open and transparent if uh, if you're having these sorts of things going on con and, and they seem to be escalating. Yeah, well, I think we'll be, Paul, I think we'll get into the, the crux of exactly what we're, we're actually uh, we are talking about now. Uh, Keen, who was a New Zealand citizen living in Fiji, <clears throat> took uh, a citizen living in Fiji. I'll actually go back again and start again, where I basically left off. You have uh, you have thought as Pacific Islands we would fall in line to support, to put in some support of Keen, but it's extraordinary to anyone involved in the game in the Pacific that Keen is even on the ballot. His time in office has a byword for intimidation, vindictiveness, corruption self-dealing, nepotism, and the threat of realisation of uh, violence. This all conducted in plain sight. A New Zealand citizen, citizen living in Fiji took her own life 
in November 2015 after a run-in with Ken when she tried to <clears throat> open a rugby academy. At the time, Fiji at least had three rugby acad academies operated by top French 14 clubs approved by Ken that were also in breach of World Rug Rugby Regulation 4. Uh, one French rugby union board member operated openly as a player agent specialising in taking players to France. Rugby World September 2015. Fighting spirit, the problems Fiji must overcome. Now, it just shows you there's, there's obviously a huge, he's obviously getting a bit of support from uh, uh, France at this time. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's some, some well, by, by the sound of some, some cash backhanders probably as well uh, to, to operate those. Uh, and he's also, um, Laporte has also come out and mentioned in relatively recently that of suggesting that Fiji could join the Six Nations, which uh, playing their games out of in France, which is just, well, very, very questionable. Uh, and you, you've got to say, when it come, now when we're coming down to voting, you can perhaps see why those sort of things have, he's been making those sort of comments. Yeah, look, I mean, when you, when you look, there's so much to unpack out of this letter. Um, you know, you're just alluding to the the French collusion, for want of a term, and it's like what's happening with what France is doing in Fiji goes against the um, the constitution of, of world rugby. Uh, of so basically, that you know, uh, uh, just to go over it again, is in the, you've got a French setting up uh, multiple academies in France uh, in Fiji um, to in th with the view of assisting the development of Fiji and rugby players, and out of those academies, then then basically pinching the kids at an early age, sending them over to France so that the the top the real top players can then become part of the French system early enough to then become French eligible to, eligible to become French players. Again, totally against the constitutional agreement, you know, documents of uh, World Rugby, IRB. Um, it said that's one of the things, I mean, we'll go into this a bit later, but I've just brought up in front of me within a few seconds what the charges against Francis Keane were. Uh, or, or the court case against them, etc. And even within the court case, there were elements that need, to, that, which are questionable in the way that the trial was conducted. So um, yeah, look, it's just so much to unpack from this one letter. Yeah, but we we do know that I mean, uh, is, is we've, we've had a military coup in Fiji. We know a lot of people in the military are uh, well banned from travelling to New Zealand and Australia. Um, so look, there is it's. Um, we know that the goings on uh, domestically aren't uh, are, uh, are dodgy. Uh, in, above in, board, are not are not all above board. Um, the so yeah, so it's the yeah, it's, it's a matter of how much of that we go into and how much of how much we can stick stick with some of the more rugby related bits. I, I, yeah, I, look, I, I agree with you. I mean, we're a rugby show, so we stick with rugby. But <laughs> the the issue is the issue. The problem here is the fact is that. You know, um, today, you know, Daniel Leo is asking the question: How can an app, somebody's nomination be accepted when they've got this baggage? And, and that's why I think it's just so that people can get an understanding of why is Daniel making a big point of this individual, and, and why is he questioning, you know, how he's got to this position of being a nominee um, to be at the the highest level of world rugby? Um, and and you know, you'll be having the um, uh, people that will be listening today thinking, well, what's this guy done? And uh, I, I think it's just, you know, for, for completeness, it's about knowing what the backstory is so that you can understand why Daniel Leo is um, rather upset and, and justifiably so with what's going on. Yep. Stephen, do you want to take us through the next... Uh... The next revelation bit. Yeah, the next the, the, the next part of the uh, letter, which I'll uh, pull up again. And just for those who are uh, tuning into this uh, special edition on New Zealand Sports Radio, I've uh, just posted it, posted that uh, link on the uh, Facebook site. So uh, have a look, and that might save me reading out the whole <coughs> the whole letter. Well, Stephen, yeah. you read it so well. <laughs> yeah. Well, put. The, well, where, where I pretty, pretty much uh, sort of cut myself off, apparently Julian Alexander received a letter from Ken on the 24th of November quoting uh, World Rugby Regulation 4 and demanding immediately stop your misleading representations and the operation of your rugby academy in Fiji. 
complaining that uh, Fijian, Fiji's regime was trying to cut off her internet, her social media. Now, this is the, obviously the young lady who, who took her own life on the uh, 20, November 27th and off to bed now. See you tomorrow. And uh, tomorrow, if I'm not murdered in my sleep, she admitted to hospital the next day and passed away on uh, November the 29th. A, a source close to the family has since informed me that her state of mind was deeply affected by Ken's standover tactics, reputation and violence. Uh, furthermore to that, uh, that that incident, which we'll get into shortly, I mean, it's, it's always sad, you know, for an organisation even like World Rugby or all parties involved, when, listen, when there's suicide involved, you know, really and truthfully, um, I'm just asking the question, where's the, where's the compassion here? Compassion here or the empathy at least shown, you know, somebody who was so passionate about what she was doing. I think you know, you, you've got to look into that, surely. Well, absolutely. And, and, and secondly is, um, well, actually, it doesn't say it was necessarily, it wasn't necessarily suicide. Uh, it says no. just that she was admitted into hospital. Was, was she beaten up overnight? What what actually happened to her? We, we don't know. Um, and even if we look at the official reports, we probably don't, as much, um, from, from what we've read in this letter, we're not sure we could trust the official reports anyway. So mm. just because, yeah, we, it may not have been suicide. It may have been murder, uh, but we'll never, uh, we, 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 we're not likely to ever know um, that yeah. side of things. Um, but the, yeah, the, clearly he has a, this person has a, a reputation. I'll, I'll, I'll take on the, 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 the next bit, but um, I make no comments about why the F um, Federation Francais de Rugby um, would support King's nomination to Exco or why the current chairman would allow his nomination to be seconded by the Fiji Rugby Union, um, which the man known in his own country as Killer Keen runs in the manner of an executive chairman. So I find myself asking the obvious question, why does World Rugby have some of the most elaborate and exhaustive eligibility checks for those who play the game, but apparently no checks for someone wanting to run the game, uh, even when that person can't, eat, can't couldn't get a visa to watch Fiji at the opening match of the 2015 Rugby World Cup or the 2018 Rugby World Cup sevens because of his criminal record for violent killing. By the way, to get around the immigration checks of World um, Rugby member unions, including Australia, New Zealand, the UK, the Shenzhen, Shenzhen territories, Canada and the USA, where Fiji citizens who have served jail sentences for, violently, for violent killing would expect these applications to be automatically rejected. Keen now travels on a 10-year diplomatic passport. Um, and he gives us the number there as well. Um, that Keen that key even holds a diplomatic passport is a breach of the Fiji government's own protocols and the Vienna Convention uh, and should be of concern to you if your country requires a pre-approved visa for F Fiji citizens. The diplomatic passport also contains different names to those on Keen's passport at the time he was jailed in 2007. So not only has this guy done some or has been, has been allegedly involved in some dodgy things already on top of what he has been actually convicted of doing he's also um carrying a passport that as uh, as you'll find out later as the head of the ministry prison service why would you need or why should you have a diplomatic passport to travel around the world you're not a diplomat it's just crazy um so the, clearly, he's got that because he's the brother-in-law of the president, um, and that's the only reason he's got it. Um, Basically, yeah, it, yeah it, it pretty much it pretty much sounds that way. It's it, it's it's very suspect. I know, I know here in New Zealand, sometimes, especially our, our our media come down pretty hard on the New Zealand Rugby Football Union for not always supporting Pacific Island rugby. But if you kind of look at some of their their history in terms of administration. We we spoke we spoke off here about why Tonga doesn't get a a, a vote at um, you know in terms in terms of World Cup or even voting voting for for a new chairman. And we know the issues that even Samoa have had in the past. And unfortunately, this is just another example of uh, uh, some of these Pacific Island teams not having their house in order. Um, I've just got to big do a bit of a shout out to uh, Stefan Minton who. Uh, is uh, tuning into the show. Stefan, uh, I chat to a little bit. He's had a bit to do with rugby down in the South Auckland area, especially out in those, uh, those South Auckland clubs, uh, Manukau especially. And uh, I know he's had quite a bit to do with a, a lot of prominent uh, uh, Pacific Island footballers over the years. So uh, good to have you on board, Stefan. 
be good. It'd be interesting to see what Stefan's thoughts are, just to pop in some comments while he's listening and watching uh, mm -hmm. on, on the developments over the last couple of days with this letter. So I'll, I'll take us through the, the, the next bit, which is going to be about... Uh, so reporting in the Sunday Times uh, doesn't even come close to capturing the full brutality of what Keane and his brother-in-law, Fiji's Prime Minister, Frank... Bainirama. Manor, thank you. Um, and FRU uh, president, who happens to be president of, of the F, um, have inflicted both on the game of rugby in Fiji and those rugby officials who dare to oppose them. Uh, and Keane's spilling of blood is both personal and professional in his role of Commissioner of Prisons and stretches back to 2006 to just this past week. Old blood. Um, so this is the the, uh, the New Zealand judge who tried Keane in October 2007, ruled that Keane had murderous intent uh, when he killed John Whippy. So why was Keane not convicted of murder in October 2007 and when that was what Keane was originally charged with into January 2007? Uh, Keane took the opportunity to plead guilty to, lesser to the lesser charge of manslaughter in an offer made by the state prosecutors who, by October 2007, were now firmly in the control of the military regime headed by Keane's brother-in-law. Now, you could argue that sometimes people do plea bargain to, to get lower things, but it does, in this case, uh, as, as, we'll, um, as we'll go on, you'll hear, you'll, you'll, you'll see that it's perhaps not as legitimate as, as it could as sometimes. The judge, Gerald Winter, left Fiji soon after the trial, his car having been sabotaged in such a way as to cause a serious accident. Another judge, written Sir Gordon Ward, head of Fiji's Court of Appeal, had his home burnt down just before King's trial. So um, clearly, uh, there's, I, I'm not sure intimidation is a hard enough word here. Um, <laughs> really, I mean, burning someone's house down is, to me, goes beyond, goes a bit beyond intimidation. Uh, but clearly, uh, they they, he, they they decided that um, they would give him the uh, 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 take 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 the much easier uh, of the two things, and then he was released after three months anyway of serving um, jail term. And this is a person who was, as I say, uh, was was standing. Uh, a new blood just this weekend, four of Keane's police officers were charged in relation to the death earlier this week by, by brutal, blunt force trauma of a prisoner in a remand centre. Two officers face courts of counts of murder and others of assault. Keane has served as commissioner of prison since 2016 and forces under his control became a byword for state-sanctioned violence. Um, to just go on from that, the, the, the bit that was also covered in that, um, uh, that Times article uh, is around this 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 uh, the next piece um, in in here where it says the Sunday Times referenced a well-known recording of Keane shouting violent and homophobic instructions to his police officers, whipping them into committing uh, beatings. So clearly, look, his officers have committed a murder at the weekend or have killed somebody at the weekend. Whether it's murder or not, we'll have to wait for the for the so-called for the for the trial, innocent or proven guilty, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, but clearly, that's that, that that's an issue. Um, there's a culture of silence in Fiji and rugby, unsurprisingly, because you um, just quickly paraphrase this last bit. Uh, there's a quote in Ben Ryan's from Ben, ben Ryan's book of Keane turning up with two uniformed soldiers and telling Ben Ryan that these guys would train with the Fijian Sevens, of which um, Ben Ryan uh, let them do so, obviously, because he knew there was no point standing up to him. Um, and... Uh, the, yeah, so that just basically, that, and that's um, just goes on to say, why would this person be basically allowed um, into it? I think that covers most of his uh, criminalization that he's uh, or and dodgy behavior that he's been involved with. Um, so, the yeah, it's, you just got to question why is there no fair and, fair and proper uh, checks of people? Um, so and when this first came out, World Rugby came out and said, "Look, he is not well. He is not the Fed, Fred, the um, the Fijian Rugby Union who have seconded for Bill Beaumont." It's like, well, he's their representative at council. Um, so and you're trying to say that he isn't part of that. Um, and uh, and then yes, you got a question: Why did France second the the nomination of him uh, to be into the executive committee? There is breaking news that um, uh, that, 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 I'll, that I'll read out. This came out about four minutes before the show started. So Alfred and, and uh, Stephen probably haven't come across this yet. 
Um, World Rugby notes that Fiji Rugby Union's decision to stand down Fiji Rugby Union chairman Ratu Bilikesa Bulawaya Francis Keane from the World Rugby Council and therefore withdrawing his candidature from the World Rugby Executive Committee following new allegations published in the UK Sunday Times. Well, they don't sound that new. Um, <laughs> World Rugby takes all allegations of behaviour that is not in keeping with the sport's strong and inclusive values and bylaws extremely seriously. Really. Um, while it's important to stress that any allegations must be validated. So, I mean, they're already now <laughs> backtracking on saying, hey, this guy's a naughty guy. Following dialogue with World Rugby, the Fijian Rugby Union recognises the seriousness of the allegations made and the need for them to be fully investigated. Um, and that is in the best interest of the sport that Mr Keane stepped down from the council and his executive committee candidate should be withdrawn. Uh, the Fiji Rugby Union have confirmed that their seat in the world on the World Rugby Council will be filled by Union CEO John O'Connor. Hey? Hey? What's John been up to? Um, I think it may be a different John O'Connor to the one that's on the, on the, that's on the, on the, on the station several times. Um, there are now seven nominations for seven seats on the World Rugby uh, Executive Committee, uh, which will be confirmed at the 2020 annual meeting of the World Rugby Council held at a teleconference on the 12th of May. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, if there is as softly a, word, a, 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 a press release as can be worded, well, that's pretty much it, isn't it? We don't want to upset him because, hey, he's one of he's one of the part of the in crowd. He's, he's actually, and you got to say, World Rugby really are are are, are, are pussyfooting around this one. No, what, 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 you're trying to say World Rugby has dropped the ball. They have clang. Yes. Um, <laughs> It's a clanger in front of the posts. <laughs> hey, hey guys, hey guys! I was going to say I've just googled John O'Connor and he's an optometrist, so maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe he's the guy. Listen, in summary, listen. There's more red flags here than what turns out to watch uh, Mate Mate uh, Mate Tonga in the rugby league um, when they get their crowds turn up. It's just, uh, you know, it's to me, it's. It's something very, very fishy about this, but sounds like we're heading in the right direction, fellas. But yeah, it... but, but but what you raised, Steve, is, is a good point. And, you know, what we sort of alluded to right back at the beginning of the show today is the, the um, what's going on at the top levels of world rugby. How are we going to be, you know, we all talk about the fact that the structure of rugby has to change with the pandemic going around the world at the moment. It's a great time to change it. Now we look at things. When you got to look at this, there's obviously a uh, inner ring up at World Rugby, and how are things going to change for the better when you've got these sorts of things going on? They're trying to now obviously come out and saying, "Oh, this is a bad guy, and we sh he he's he's been withdrawn by the Fiji Rugby Union, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. What was he doing there in the first place? And how do you know what the caliber of the people that are still there is? I, he's been a bad guy since 2006 mm. on record. Now. And, and, I'm, and I'm guessing, now, shock horror, this may not be true, folks. I'm guessing he wasn't an angel before 2006 either. Just a guess. Yeah. But I could, and I could be wrong. But, um, the, um, but yeah, so clearly look, this guy, uh, it, it, when you've got papers, and, and let's, let's be clear, the, 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 the stuff and the Herald, Houston Herald, um, just are uh, basically what, they've been cutting staff recently. They don't have time to do massive uh, amounts of research, and yet, within um, within hours of this guy getting nominated for world for, for the World Rugby Executive Council, stuff have an article out there saying talking about the the uh, the manslaughter charge, the manslaughter um, the, uh, not charge, well, the manslaughter conviction he got conviction. Yeah. Um, so, if they can find it within hours of him being nominated, it's been pretty much public knowledge. Uh, well, for the last 14 years. Well, look, at, at any any level of any organisation, when you're having this sort of, you know, a board of directors type scenario, when you get your nominations put forward, surely the first thing you do is you do your vetting process. It's it's like a job interview, isn't it? And you're doing a vetting process to think, what's going to come up to bite this organisation in the butt before we allow this nomination to proceed? 
And so you have to ask the question. There's so, there's so many questions to ask. <laughs> but the predominant question to ask is that what process has been gone through to um, analyse, if that's the right word, the um, the calibre of the individual and whether they're actually fit for purpose for your organisation? Shall I find the, quiet, the silence by, the, uh, by World Rugby at this time deafening, fellas? Seriously. Yep. Yeah, clearly there's, there's, there's no there's, there's no vetting at all of no. um, of, of of people. Now, I did a um, a piece for supporters only, uh, looking at who had all the votes and how I think they're going to go. So, if you want to have a look at that, you can go you can go watch that video. Um, but if we run through the countries, and because actually one one of the points you made earlier was who is who else is on that board that is potentially dodgy. Um, if we, I mean, if we go through the countries, Argentina, well, at least they don't have the military dictatorship they used to have where they used to fly airplanes over the sea and just throw people into the sea. So, hey, Hang the, on, you have to be careful because you know you're on the other side of that war. They are. Sorry to throw you there. No, Argentina's has, has, has improved a lot and they're in a much better place. So it, we're not talking about a regime in the same way. I'm talking about Fiji. Australia, England, France, Ireland, Italy, New Zealand, Scotland. Again, Amongst that kind of crowd, you're talking pretty strong democracies that are unlikely to, to have. Um, South Africa, um, yes, there are. There's, 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 on the whole, uh, yeah, there's, there's obviously some, some, some accusations in that area. Wales, Japan, Canada, um, again, strong democracies. You'd expect the, 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 the candidates are going to be fairly. I, I, I mean, again, whilst, whilst they might. Um, be corrupt, you expect them not, not to be violent. Georgia, mm, question marks there. Fiji, obviously we know there's question marks. Samoa, um, not to the, they, 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 they don't have, not, not to the same extent as Fiji by any stretch of imagination. Um, Romania, uh, I'm, I'm not sure the political state in Romania at the moment. USA, <sighs> you do look at the USA and quite raise your eyebrows, don't you? But again, strong democracy, the person here should be okay. Uruguay. I'm not sure about the political situation in Uruguay, and then you got the the the, the regional things. So there are yeah, just, ones just, that just butting in there for a sec. Well, Simon in the old chat room saying that Romania by, might be one of the ones that you want to sort of um, be looking at closely as well. Um, from a corruption point of view, yes. I mean, there's, there's a few here you'd want to look at from a corruption point of view. Put bluntly, um, yep. I mean, the we've we've talked about before. Uh, well, I mean, the I mean, small players have talked about not getting paid. Or not having their or, or losing training kit, um, so I mean the so, but they haven't talked about being beaten. Um, I guess it's the difference here. I think there's there's there's, there's a number of countries here you'd, you'd you'd look at and you think okay, corruption wise probably an issue or possibly sorry not probably possibly an issue. Um, whereas violence, um, I think on the whole most of these places wouldn't I would not expect they don't have the same military dictatorship in the way that Fiji has. It's Fiji what does, yeah. Um, so I think on the whole, we probably do not probably do not have people of such level. Now, if we're talking about people from Iraq during Saddam Hussein's thing, then I'd say, oh yes, there's a dodgy one. Um, or if we're looking at if, if Iran was in the list, you might want to say, okay, what have they got up to back home? Um, but so we get the rest of those nations aren't really uh, yeah military dictatorships in the same kind of way. As you haven't. I know you did that in your show, but uh, or in a previous show, but you haven't got the um, votes that each nation has in front of you by any chance, have you, Paul? Yes, I do. Oh, yeah. Do you want to read those out? Because I think that'd be quite interesting <clears throat> for people to understand. You know, outside of this, obviously, there's been other issues in the last sort of 12 months. Uh, one being like um, the the plans to move to a world rugby type a schedule, or you know, and um, or tournament even. Um, and, and how that wasn't going to work because of the where you have to get the votes from. So I think it'd be interesting for people to understand where who who has how many votes. Sure. Okay. So the the six nations and the rugby championship teams. So those ten teams get three votes each. So that's thirty votes um, uh, of the fifty one that are available. So straight away you have to get tier one people voting for you. Otherwise you can't get you can't pass a motion. Uh, Japan then have two votes. They're the only country with two votes. Uh, then Canada, Georgia, Fiji, Samoa, Romania, USA, and Uruguay all have one vote. Uh, you'll notice there that, that we're talking about um, 
countries that are, and I, and I went through this in detail, but basically you have to have been at two Rugby World Cups um, and have audited accounts. So hence Russia, who was at the last Rugby World Cup, have only been to one. They weren't at the previous one um, because it was Romania. Uh, Tonga and um, Namibia, I'm assuming, don't have the audited accounts uh, and have the various other pieces of um, um, good and proper um, requirements to get governance to get in there. Now, somehow Fiji do interestingly enough but um <laughs> but so clearly those governance checks aren't watertight by any stretch but tonga and your and, and Namibia don't um don't don't have well, those i think a lot of the governance um accounting or um review i can't think of the right word but uh um is mainly around the financial um financials of the organization so i, I think as long as your financials stack up and they're um, above above board, then that's pretty much most of the the governance check that they yeah they, they there's, carry there's out. Also you've, you've got to be within good standing with the IOC and a couple of other things. But yes, on the whole, you're right. No, a lot of it's about that. So amongst those nations, there's nine votes amongst tier two nations. Um, and then finally, there um, each of the regions: so Europe, South America, uh, America's North, Africa, Asia, and Oceania. Um, those six uh, areas um, get two votes each, so a further twelve votes uh, there as well. So, if you're looking, sorry, there's two votes for Oceania. So, effectively, with three for Australia, three for New Zealand, and six, and then two for Oceania. Uh, I mean, obviously, that includes a Fiji and a Samoa as well. But uh, you're basically looking at ten votes there across the um, um, Australia, New Zealand. Yep. Yep, that'd be sort of just so, so people understand how that sort of can work and, and add together. So from yeah, so so if we're looking at it from that point of view, so so yeah, so Oceania, along with yeah, Australia, New Zealand, um, uh, Fiji and Samoa get you up to ten. In Asia, they've got four, which is the two for Asia, two for Japan. Um, down in Africa, it's five, three for South Africa, two for Africa. Um, South America. Um, is the two for South America, three for Argentina, and one for Uruguay, so six. North America, USA, Canada, plus two there, that's four. Um, and then the rest are in Europe, so which is the six nations times three, which is um, 18, plus Georgia uh, and Romania, 20, 22, when you add European as well. So that's the biggest block by, by some margin, yep. Guys, if I can just cut in just a quick bit of uh, research that I've done. As of May 18th, 2019, uh, John Massey O'Connor was the Chief Executive Officer of the uh, Fiji Rugby Union. So you do wonder if, once again, even though Keen has been pushed out, if this is just a, uh, a straight replacement with maybe one, one guy who's already been pointed in a certain direction. I, I suppose the only benefit out of that is the or not benefit of not really the right word, but um, is the fact is that he won't be one of the nominees for the um, executive board or the executive. Yeah. So I mean, look, clearly he's a stooge of the um, of the president of uh, Fiji. Look, you're not going to be. Um, so uh, the only question is, does he actually have physically have blood in his hands? Um, he's, he's clearly going to be. He's, he's clearly got to, uh, at the very very least, turn a blind eye to what the regime do if not actually physically if not actively get involved himself to, to be to be to be on to be nominated by fiji let's be honest um just so you know where those eight uh sorry where the seven people from the executive committee will, will be we mark alexander of south africa khalid babu from um, rugby africa so two for, there'll be two from africa um bart campbell from new zealand and uh will be the and uh, Brett Robinson from Australia, so two from Oceania. Um, then there'll be Gerald Davis from Wales and John Jeffrey from Scotland, so two from Europe. And then the final will be Bob, Bob Latham from the USA. So that's they, they will all be uh, rubber stamped because there's, there's uh, seven people for seven places. Uh, I mean that South America and Asia will be the two regions that don't have uh, representation at that level. Um, Crikey, sounds like we need to do a, you could do a four-hour show just on the structure of uh, World Rugby, <laughs> trying well, to yes, understand we've... the ins and outs of it. 
It, yeah, I, I, look, my my one looking at the voting. Uh, look, yeah, I, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not an expert on rugby politics. I keep an eye on it. Um, I probably know a little bit more than most people, but I'm not an expert by any stretch of imagination. But yeah, um, I guess so, so for me, what the immediate thing that, that jumps out here is that if um, Augustin Pichot doesn't get the chairmanship, there'll be no representation at all from um, South America, which would be uh, which, which is a little bit some. Um, a little bit surprising. So it's a surprise. They put one person forward at least for the um, executive committee. Now, yeah. Argentina, on the whole, um, votes uh, along with its Sanzar partners of South America, South, Af South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand. They, they, as, as a four, they often vote as a block. Um, they pretty much, pretty much always do. Um, Japan, on the other hand, has stepped out. Has, has doesn't follow that um, that, that 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 same line. Uh, they voted for France at the, the rugby, for the rugby, for the 2027 Rugby World Cup, for example. Sorry, 2023 Rugby World Cup. Um, hence, why hence one of the reasons why South Africa did, um, got rid of the Sunwolves. Um, but uh, and they so yes, yeah, so uh, it's the, the voting isn't always as clear cut as you'd expect. It's not like oh, all Super Rugby countries vote together. No, that's not how it. That doesn't always work. Um. Anything else you want to unpack from there or just think? No, that... basically, I, I'm sort of thinking, you know, your takeaway from this is the fact is that once, if they, if they go ahead with the um, executive voting or, or the, the the voting process that they've got on the table at the moment, if they go through it, the first job of the new lot, obviously, is going to be around pandemic planning, but they very shortly after that have to look at the whole... Um, process and uh you know just just to do a audit of operations at that highest level in world rugby just so that the confidence is restored um acro across the nations uh whether it's a tier one or tier three or you know nation <clears throat> and the way that world rugby operates yeah so bill beaumont has um has has come out and said he'll have a he'll set up a independent um review i.e. he'll nominate somebody to give him the answers he wants sorry um he'll 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 pick someone independently to give to give answers um whereas augustin pichot has come out and said that he thinks it should be one vote one country um so we'll see how uh yeah how that some um, how that how that all goes um the there is a on on the covid side of things world rugby has put aside approximately 100 million us dollars of a relief fund available for unions um so um so yes yeah, so, so they are stepping up to to help unions obviously australia is one of the first off the ranks oh well that's right the usa will be one of the first off the ranks trying to get their hand mitts on that as they've come as, they've, as they're still in chapter 11 uh bankruptcy um and i think australia are going to be pretty quick uh to uh, to get in there as well because uh, yeah they they've obviously are in financial strife um just just um i think um you've you've explained this on other shows previously but just with the usa um usa rugby and um mlr and the tie-up between the two or non-tie-up between the two do you want to go over that in terms of um just so people understand this is like well how, how can uh, mlr talk about still carrying on um whilst um as you say usa rugby's in chapter 11. so major rugby is uh and is 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 under um What's what I'm looking for is is all about is, is all uh, private investment. Uh, the USA Rugby has got no control. Uh, whilst it does um, recognise Major League Rugby, uh, forgot what the actual what the technical term is. Um, it's not accredited, but you know, what I mean, it gives gives basically says yeah, it can go ahead. We think it's we think it's a good competition. Um, they don't actually have any financial control of it, and they obviously they, they obviously help with things like referees and blah blah blah, but they're all paid for. Um, directly by Major League Rugby. So, yeah, the so Major League Rugby is solvent at the moment. There have been rumours uh, that a couple of, of, of the other sides might be in trouble, um, but the uh, and I've, I've seen that come up. I'm not, but um, at the moment, that it's only people. It's, it's only Twitter talk. Uh, look, all the players have had their full contracts paid. They're not having to pay, take pay cuts like other. Um, uh, like other leagues are, for example, 
uh, and they've already announced that they're going to be around next. Uh, that, 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 yeah, they will be going around next year, and they are already two teams next year. Now, one team has dropped out, but um, the in in the, the form of the uh, um, Colorado Raptors, which used to be called the Glendale Raptors, uh, but um, that was the, uh, the they they pulled out because they said they wanted to um, promote USA players uh, and that not um, not about not about having foreign players. Now, one of the things if you're going to expand if you're going to expand your league every year, you've got to create the talent, and so hence that's why the major rugby have been brought in more and more more foreign players. But yeah, basically, the point is that yeah, that uh, major rugby is financially independent from um, the USA rugby sanctioned. Thank you, Simon. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Oh, interesting. And I think I saw a rumor or I don't know if it's rumor or if it's fact or not, but um, one D Carter might be um, headed towards the MLR, which would obviously help in um, promoting that product in America. Um, yes, it would. Um, now, there <laughs> one D Carter um, is rumored to be on what a million dollars a season, I think it is approximately. Well, or something like that, I think. That is approximately twice the salary cap of a major league rugby team. So he would have to take a fairly serious pay cut if he <laughs> wants to go over um, and play in major league rugby. Look, you, but you get a job as a you get a job as a marketing manager at one of the companies nearby. Well, maybe. You for some reason, some silly amount of money. <laughs> I, there, there are some question marks around how. Um, so, so the, the, the team they're talking about going to is, really, is Rugby United New York. Um, so, uh, good evening, Limebreak Rugby, who's joined. Um, great to have Christopher in the live chat. Simon, we've already mentioned a few times as well. Thank you guys for all joining in. Um, the uh, so yes, yeah, so it's uh, being in New York is a is a draw in itself. Let's be honest. Would him and his wife fancy a year uh, in New York? <laughs> Um, perhaps not the moment under COVID, but you know we know what I mean. But it's 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 with yep. Broadway and all the other kind of stuff. It's 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 got a it's it's got a certain appeal. Let's be honest. Um, which I think LA Coast. Actually, no, sorry, no, it's not LA Coast. Is it? There is a team in LA, but it's going to be not going to be called that. It's going to be called something else. Um, when that team steps up again, LA will have a certain appeal to it, which someone like Austin might not, for example. And though you're probably asking, you're going to tell me that Austin's a fantastic place. Um, the um, but. Um, so yes, yeah, so there is a certain appeal, amount of appeal from that. And I think that's why some players like Bastereau went over for a season was more kind of a lifestyle and have a bit of uh, and uh, rather than necessarily a going over to play some serious rugby and to earn, earn much. But I mean, I was chatting with Dwayne, um, the Samoan number, uh, scrum half of blanks with surname now. Um, uh, the, you can get that long talk interview here on uh, on uh, the New Zealand. Uh, sports radio, uh, but um, yeah, I mean, he signed up for a three year deal with uh, uh, Utah Warriors, for example. So, look, they they're clearly if they're signing three year deals, they've got some they've got some some proper cash behind them and they they expect to be around. They're not earning money from TV, so they, it is all coming out of or most of it's coming out of someone's pocket. They are loss making initially, definitely. Um, the uh, so yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Um, yeah, Chris Mesh, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, Ben Foden is one of the people that is at Rugby United New York, um, for example. Um, and yeah, he does act as oh, I see, yeah, coaching, yeah, he can be a player coach, that's true. Um, so yeah, so there are there, there are ways around salary caps, as we've seen teams like um, Saracens try to do in the past. Who <laughs> <laughs> he wants to go down that rabbit hole? <laughs> Do you want to go that one? Oh, okay, no. Um, so I think I think we've I think we've got another week basically or so before we hear what's happened with um, USA Rugby. I think they had a month. It's only had until the end of the month uh, to to sort out their chapter eleven. Um, so it'll be interesting to see which way they go um, with that. Now, one of their creditors, obviously, is World Rugby, who lent them. I think it was five million dollars just to make sure they didn't go under. Uh, and so they could run the, pardon me, the Sevens Rugby World Cup. So, yeah, uh, World Rugby is one of the ones that could decide if they want to shut down USA Rugby, but I wouldn't think they would do. No. <laughs> well, Simon's just basically said, is it LA Loyal? It's, um, 
uh, backed by an Australian who tried to set up Global Rapid Rugby franchise in West Sydney. So I'm wondering if that's Twiggy. No, that's not. No, 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 no. It's not Twiggy. Oh, it's not Twiggy. Um, no. Ah, somebody else. Crikey. Yeah, Twiggy was, working with, worked, Twiggy was working with somebody to have that West, West, Western, um, Western Sydney one. A bit like he's working with a, with a, a, a group in China for the Chinese one. He doesn't actually fund that one entirely all himself. Um, cool. I, I guess the other news that came out today was that uh, uh, the Crusaders have um, made some play, made, made some staff redundant. Um, I've been talking to well Northland. Uh, Tasman, and today I've talked to the Bay of Plenty um, uh, CEOs. CEOs. <laughs> yep. And um, yeah, so far, thankfully, it looked touch wood. It looks like they're not. Um, they're not. They're, they're, the, the, the provinces aren't having to go into doing redundancies. But um, and it was interesting that earlier, about a, uh, I think it was maybe a week ago, when Crusaders mentioned that they were having to make cuts, that having a larger organisation like they do compared to the Highlanders. That the that uh, the prop when they when they lose income, it's a much bigger it, it's much harder for them to tighten their belt uh, and keep everybody. Um, whereas the Highlanders with a smaller staff and who run leaner already because they make less income, being in a uh, being a smaller market, they don't have uh, it's it's they that's uh, yeah they can perhaps survive it a bit easier. Um, the LA owner has the Austin franchise. I can't have two franchises. Anyway, don't mind. Simon, well, yeah. well, I'll have yeah, to investigate that in a separate one. <laughs> so, so basically, um, it's, it's, I was quite surprised when I did hear about the Crusaders um, having to cut staff because, like, I, I was expecting some of the other franchises to um, start cutting staff before the Crusaders would have to. But as you explained, this is like when you're when you're a larger organisation, you have a larger um, FTE count, then um, you're going to you get yeah, it's going to hit you earlier than the leaner, smaller operations. It is, but it does seem that like these, and talking to Tasman, they they have a they actually made themselves a rainy day fund, um, and so they can actually survive a year. Now they can't survive two years um, with without having to make some serious cuts, but they can survive a year um, because they, they 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 have put 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 aside. They've deliberately been putting money aside to, to, um, for. A, a bad situation. Obviously, they didn't know it was going to be COVID nineteen. Let's be blunt, um, but they deliberately had a had a reserve fund. It does. It does. Looking at this, it looks like the Crusaders don't didn't have a reserve fund. They basically spent everything they got. Uh, and so, yeah, there's definitely some governance issues around that. Just because you're bigger doesn't mean you should have to cut people straight away. You should have. Uh, you should have some reserve funds. I, mean, yeah. I, I know there's gone. I have to say, it's an interesting thing that, um, you know, with some of these large organisations, you, you can understand it with small ones, but some of these large ones, I don't understand the, um, the the instant cutting that they've had to be going through. We're talking about in New Zealand, not, not globally, so we're going to, I can only talk about New Zealand. Effectively, we've been shut down for four weeks. For a sporting organisation to all of a sudden run out of funds after being shut down for four weeks, that's that starts to you know, be affected by it. It's it's strange because it's just like four weeks. You, it's like going over the summer months, and you talk about someone like Tasman who's got a year's worth of reserves if something happens. So you know they could go a year. You would think that as part of good governance structure, going for a month or two, maybe three at the outside, would be something that you'd be having some sort of reserves for to as a contingency um, for any sort of issue that might arise. Well, it, I guess it depends where that month lands, right? Mm. Um, and also the fact that look, you, the the with the government putting their giving the, the wave the wage subsidy thing at twelve weeks, it's quite clear everyone knew uh, it's quite clear it was going to be longer than four. It's going to be it's going to be close to three months at least, rather than rather than just one. So um, it depends. And if you make your money during the season, which is five months, and the other seven months you normally run lean anyway, mm. if you lose two of those five months. You're suddenly losing forty percent of your income for the year. Yeah. So even though it, it looks like it's two months out of twelve, um, and it's uh, it, so hence it's only a sixth, you actually end up losing forty percent, which is like five times. No way, whatever it is, bigger, much bigger. Um, so hence, team. Uh, so so sports like cricket or or um, or, or, or or lawn bowls 
that have got through their summer season and were and were starting to they, they lost a couple of tournaments towards the end, but they were starting to wind down. Um, yeah. Were whereas your winter sports ramping up, such as skiing, <laughs> snowboarding, um, basically yeah, hadn't even started, had just come through their lean bit, a bit like coming out of hibernation, like a, a grizzly come out a, a grizzly bear out of hibernation and about start and they're about to start eating lots of salmon, suddenly to find there's no salmon run, so they're already skinny, um, and then that, that, that's why they starve kind of thing. So. I, I, but I do agree. I think that um, a lot of these organisations have run too close to the wire. And I would say that the same about New Zealand businesses as well. Um, if you go see a financial advisor, the standard thing is you should have three to six months of your salary in cash savings in case you lose your job. Mm. And that's what everybody should have. Most people don't. <laughs> um, and that's why people are, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and and so and, and companies... I think a lot of companies are over-leveraged, and it looks like a lot of these uh, sporting organisations um, were, were all so yeah, it's Crusaders were running running too close to the wire, hmm. and being a bit bloated possibly as well. Um, well you got to remember, you think about some of the staff that they're going to let go; they're non-essential for want of a term. <laughs> rather appropriate in this day at this moment it, we, the, the the leaner organizations don't need them so by definition if the leaner organizations are getting by without those extra staff that someone like the crusaders do have that's bloat i mean it, it, there's, there's adding value don't get me wrong there's adding value but it's also you know it's the cream on the top yeah possibly i mean but we we, we do criticize the organizations for not having very good social media for example or media output um, so, so they've got this bloke so, and they still manage to do social media really <laughs> crap and they still manage to sort of do random naming team Friday Thursday name naming as uh, as our friend Brian would say yes Brian I was going to say, say yeah, yeah. Look, <laughs> they need the extra social media people look look how good they're ah no they're not are they um so <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me um I will apologise. We have been a bit all over the place tonight, guys. Uh, probably is due to the fact there isn't much rugby going on. So we're trying to. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, any, uh, actually, Stephen Society is just going to mute himself anyway. So stay out of the conversation entirely. <laughs> Love it. You guys were going so well. I just thought I'd leave you to, leave you to it. I've just been <laughs> looking through some old highlights of Northland playing uh, Auckland in the 2001 Cup. 2001 Water Team Cup. Oh, it's Steve's, just like uh, it's got Steve. Just so people that are listening and watching us today, what they don't realize is that Steve's got pictures of Rupini on his bedroom ceiling. Dear me, no, 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 honestly, so I think it's been quite an interesting show. I haven't, haven't obviously contributed a lot, but on saying that, listen, I think what we came on to talk about tonight, I think. By the sound of things, it's kind of a good result, but just I had been just basically doing a little bit of research in and around this guy, John Mussey O'Connor, and there is a little bit of history uh, between him and the uh, Fijian Prime Minister, Frank Byroni. So there is a bit of history between these these two. Of course, the Fijian president has endorsed the CEO in the past, uh, John Mussey O'Connor in the past. So that's really interesting. Just a quick thing on on Tasman as well. They are a very well-funded union. They've got some really, really big backers. I think maybe the difference with them and the Crusaders, the Crusaders probably rely on probably, you know, New Zealand rugby union support, um, probably a little bit of uh, money coming through via the, via the broadcasters and also um, fans coming through the gates. So I think that's the, yeah, I think, I think the, probably that, I think those are the, probably the two major differences where you kind of look at somebody like, uh, like Tasman, Tasman, um, listen, they've already signed Mark Talia, the uh, North Harbour winger, winger who's been cut, cutting capers for the blues at the beginning of the season. So, um, you, you know, they've obviously decided, you know what, regardless of what's happening, around the place we're going to ensure that we've got a very strong union if nothing else 
Well, hang on. Well, well, Tony's view was that t that there were, there, were, there were two wingers that wanted to join Tasman. So uh, let's mm -hmm. whether whether. The... <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, hang on. Tony Lewis, the CEO of Tasman. Hang on. Was that? Um, a, I just saw a pig fly past my window with lights on. <laughs> um, the I, and also again, it comes down to the time of the season. Would ta Would Tasman uh, or, or any of the provinces be taking big gate receipts now? No. Because they haven't got any competitions running, they would have had there'd be club competitions, not provincial competitions. Whereas for Super Rugby, they're expecting a certain amount of cash flow at this time of year, um, because this is when their games are. Um, yeah. And they can also they can also um, project and go, you know, what? we're not going to be playing in front of crowds this year. We're not, Paul, so Paul, we're not going to get Paul. at all. Sorry. More, more importantly, I've just ended up in a fetal position now, thinking: Have the Blues actually signed up Mark Talia properly or not? Well, clearly not. <laughs> well, so to me, to me, it demonstrates a couple of things: the difference between the have-nots and the haves and the have-nots, the ones, the unions that probably haven't managed themselves so well. Now, there's been a lot of talk about Harbour being uh, 500k in in the red, and that's a bit of, bit of a rumour that's been doing the rounds. I do apologise if anybody from Harbour is is listening, but that seems to be a a common thread from a lot of people up up this way. I think that just basically shows that we do have in this competition we have heads and we have knots. And I agree with uh, Ashwin's point too. You would hope that the Blues have done their, their due diligence because man alive, he's he's probably the best winger that the Blues have got at the minute. He, he's the number one um, winger. I mean, you know, it's just because you're the number one winger in a tournament doesn't mean that you picked for the All Blacks. But um, he'd be the number one performing winger. In Super Rugby at the moment, or for the for the New Zealand sides, yeah. So, but I mean, if you think about it, um, obviously sponsors like te like teams are doing well. Tasman have been doing well over the last few years. Uh, made the final three or four times uh, and have and then won it. So clearly, yeah. They, they, if 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 they're not in a good situation at the moment, when are they going to be? I guess is is, is part of it. Whereas Northland, uh, sorry, not Northland, North Harbour haven't been. In that same boat, um, they have they haven't been making finals. They haven't been, uh, uh, but um, but again, it is also down to good stewardship as to actually saying, yeah, no, we're not going to spend that money. We are going to put aside five percent or ten percent of our income every year until we have X amount in a relief fund um, as well. So it's a bit of yeah, it's, it's it swings and roundabouts. There's two things in there, but that but yes, if the, the but if um, Mark Talia leaving North Harbour, uh, you can see he'd be looking around, going, "Hi guys, I'm looking for somewhere who could who can afford me, please." Because, yeah, um, it's, it's funny, and it's been a show about politics, and it's just like you could imagine <laughs> the, the 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 difficult political situation the Blues and say Auckland would be, and saying, "Oh, he's going to leave Harbour. Should Auckland pick him up?" And it's like, "Oh, there goes Auckland again, poaching all the Harbour players." Yeah, whereas <laughs> yeah. But then the Blues should be thinking, okay, how do we keep them in our territory? You should have, they should have got together with Northland, which Steve would like to hear, wouldn't, wouldn't you? Uh, well, this is to me, this is the the Blues not working hard enough with their uh, with their franchise. I know Paul, yeah. when he had the, the Tasman CEO, I think he put that question to the CEO, how hard does Tasman not just work as a union, but do they work hard with the Crusaders franchise, Paul? Yeah, and they absolutely do. I mean, the, uh, all of their staff pretty much work either for the crusaders academy which is which is the crusaders got two academies one in uh, canterbury and one in tasman uh, and all of the tasman um uh, uh, sort of high performance staff that work on the tasman my cup team work essentially in that academy or they work for the crusade i think the head coach might also be do be an assistant coach to the crusaders or something like that but uh, yeah so that, yeah they do they work very much hand in hand from what he said, had previously been a dysfunctional relationship. So it's something they've had to, they've, they've worked on over, over the last few years. Right, guys, we've been running for a long time, and uh, so and I have a, got a an interesting interview lined up. So we've got some um, uh, ex Springbok um, Warren um, Brosnia uh, is, is is lined up. So Jonathan, John, Jonathan, oh dear, Jonathan O'Connor. You behave. Um, John O'Connor <laughs> and I um, See you. Are, will be uh, <laughs> are recording an interview with him in about 20 minutes. So 
uh, that'll be coming out as part of the Long Talk series um, as well. So uh, thank you very much, Arshin, for joining me. Not a problem. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much, Stephen. Privilege to see you in the morning. Yep. And as, as Stephen says, 8 a.m. tomorrow morning on the uh, New Zealand Sports Radio, we'll be bringing you the Monday. The Monday? Not the Monday, because tomorrow is not a Monday. The morning sports briefing. Jeez, I need another beer. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 